You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the playoff games coming up this weekend. I've got some stats in regards to the San Francisco-Dallas game. Also, Trevor Lawrence. There's this stat that's going around that's pretty crazy. It might pertain to this weekend's game. It might not. Who knows? Uh, But we got some other things to talk about. We're going to talk a little NBA for a little bit. The Dallas Mavericks can't defend... Well, they couldn't defend me right now. And we've got some NFL head coaching news and some player movement, and I'm going to talk a little college football as well. We'll get to that momentarily. So let's get started. You know the NFL schedule makers really can't predict what's going to happen. They can only lay out there and do their best. And let's face it, the best game on paper of the weekend was the Dallas Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was the most coveted game. It's Dallas Cowboy, that franchise, which is no matter how bad they are, people still want to watch them because people like to hate watch the Cowboys. And then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you have Tom Brady, seven-time Super Bowl winner, just everything that he brings to the table. It was the most coveted game of the weekend, and they put it on Monday night, as we know. However, The team that they are now playing on Sunday, the San Francisco 49ers, had the first game this past Saturday. So the Dallas Cowboys go into that game at, I'd say, a little bit of a disadvantage. They didn't get back to Dallas until early Tuesday morning, and the San Francisco 49ers hadn't played since Saturday afternoon. And so they have two extra days, and they get a home game. Dallas had got back early Tuesday, and they basically travel out. I think they leave Friday after practice for the Sunday game. Maybe they leave first thing Saturday morning. I'm not even sure of their travel schedule, but I'd say that's kind of an advantage to the Niners, but what can you do? Um, If the, if the Vikings would have, if the Vikings would have beaten the giants, then they would have had less than a day advantage over them. I mean, I guess you could have put the San Francisco game on Sunday just in case, but you don't know the Giants are going to beat the, the Vikings. And I understand the way scheduling goes. It's it's a disadvantage for the Cowboys, but maybe they use it as motivation. However, it's the biggest discrepancy in terms of one team playing another this weekend. Who has more rest? The Niners played the first game of the playoffs last weekend. The Cowboys played the last. So just keep that in mind. In terms of the Kansas City-Jacksonville game, as you know, they played earlier this year, 27-17 at Arrowhead. Kansas City won. And after the game on Saturday, this past Saturday over the Chargers, when they won and came back from a 27-0 deficit to win 31-30, there's a stat that came out in regards to Trevor Lawrence that I'm guessing only diehards of him knew, and I don't even know where they found this stat. It wasn't too hard to figure out for college, but... Most people didn't follow his high school career, and he's probably only played, if any, a few games. But the stat is that now, after the Jaguars beat the Chargers last Saturday, Trevor Lawrence is now 37-0 and in his career on games played on Saturday. <laughs> but they went back to his high school. Like, obviously, he went to his high school career. I'm sure he was on all undefeated teams as a quarterback in high school. In college, Clemson played most of their games on Saturday, and I believe – Trevor Lawrence only lost two games in college as a starting quarterback. And one was in the national championship and one might have been in the semifinal. So 
and those games, you know, didn't happen to be on a Saturday. So we know he was undefeated on in a Saturday in college. And I don't know how many Saturday NFL games he's played, but the last two weeks he has, and he's two and zero. But I don't know before this. I don't know how many Saturday games Jacksonville played last year, if any. But the stat is he's thirty seven and zero on a Saturday. And guess who plays this Saturday in Kansas City? The Jacksonville Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence. And oh yeah, Doug Peterson in his last five games as an underdog in the playoffs as a head coach, not only is 5-0 against the spread, he's won all five games outright. Hey, just giving you stuff to nibble on doesn't mean they're going to win, doesn't even mean they're going to cover. Kansas City could beat them by three touchdowns. Who knows? But it is pretty interesting to look at those stats. And I just love finding out nuggets like that makes me giddy as for the giants and philly game as you know philly's beaten them twice already this year teams that won twice during the regular season then have to play them a third time in the playoffs are now 15 and 8 the last 23 times they played so you can throw out the myth that it's hard to beat a team three times in one year i'm leaning towards the eagles on this one however i actually think not that i mean it, it right now on on thursday i my leans in the NFC are are Philly and San Francisco to win. I don't think I'm really going out on a limb there, but those are the two teams I think um, are going to win. However, I honestly think that this game, if Philly can get by this game and beat the Giants, I think they're beating San Francisco. Not saying that San Francisco won't be a tougher game, but I think that they have a more of a chance to lose to the Giants than if they can just get by this and they're in the NFC Championship and they're hosting it, I think they beat Philly. I think they beat San Francisco next week. So, but I'm not 100% convinced they're going to beat the Giants. Should they? Yes. Do they have better talent across the board? Absolutely. But playoff time. We know upsets happen and things can happen and weird stuff can happen. And maybe Jalen Hurts is more hurt than he's let on. And maybe their struggles towards the end of the season, even though they finished 14-3 and and were the number one seed, maybe his struggles and maybe the team's struggles were more indicative of what kind of team they are versus the first, you know, 14 games in the season when they were 13-1. and I guess we'll see it play out, but... Something tells me if Philly gets to the NFC Championship game, they're going to win. They just need to get there by winning on Saturday night. Now, there's probably a little part of me that wants them to get to the championship game and wants me wants um, not only want them to get to the championship game, but want them to get to the Super Bowl because they're my only bet left of Super Bowl winners still in the playoff. So if they get there, I can hedge out or I can think that they maybe win the Super Bowl. Who knows? I haven't decided what I'm going to do. I'm getting way ahead of myself considering they still need to win two home games to actually get to the Super Bowl. But keep that in mind uh, for this weekend. And then Cincinnati at Buffalo. I think for that particular game, man, I'm going back and forth on this. I kind of want Cincinnati to win, but... I know Buffalo is had a bad game. I almost feel like last week's game against Miami was their bad playoff game. Like they got it out of their system. And 
while I have seen struggles from Buffalo and I gave you my concerns in regards to Josh Allen, I think he's either more injured than he's leading on or I don't know what it is, but some of his decision-making is very poor. He turns the ball over way too much, especially in the red zone. He led the NFL, all NFL quarterbacks in turnovers this year. With that said, if Cincinnati had a healthy offensive line, I would 1,000% be picking the Bengals in this game. But they are decimated on the offensive line. And we saw Now, look, last year their offensive line was terrible, and somehow they went on the road and beat Tennessee and beat Kansas City and got to the Super Bowl. But then we saw what Aaron Donald did to them in the Super Bowl. And then they seemingly had it fixed, but they've had injuries and recent injuries. And when you get to the playoffs and it's loud and you're on the road and you got all these new guys on the offensive line trying to call out signals and who's going to pick up this blitz, if you have an offensive line that's intact, great. It's much easier. They've got way too many injuries. they got three guys that are out. And they've got backups in. And I think ultimately that will kill them. And I don't think they're going to get killed because they have too many good players on offense. But I just think very hard to go on the road with three backup offensive linemen. And right now I'm leaning uh, towards Buffalo uh, to win that game. So tomorrow I'll give one final wrap-up of the four games as we as we head into the weekend, but looking forward to all the divisional matchups. I'm just giddy for NFL football uh, this weekend. One final note on the Cowboys. They actually did sign a kicker to their practice squad. Tristan Viscaino, who was with them a couple of years ago, they signed him to their practice squad, which means unless he's upgraded to the 53-man roster before the game, he can't play anyway, but... They've decided that what happened to Brett Maher on Monday was just a blip. It was an anomaly, and they're hoping that it doesn't change. And like I said yesterday, I don't care who wins between the Cowboys and the 49ers on Sunday. Could care less. However, if the Cowboys happen to lose, I don't want it to be because it's something that Brett Maher missed an extra point or missed a field goal, because that would be awful. You know, people will say, like, well, it serves them right. The guy was terrible on Monday night, and they didn't decide to cut him and go with somebody else. It's like, okay, it's very easy to say now and even after the fact. The guy missed six kicks all year. He missed three field goals. Two of them were 59-yarders, and then he missed a 46-yarder. The only three field goals he missed all year. He was 29 of 32, and then he only missed three extra points before um, that game when he missed four in one game, which is just bizarre, which clearly shows he just had it in his head. And you either get it out of your head and he's going to be fine by this weekend or it's going to continue. I guess we'll know once the first few extra points happen if the Cowboys get in the end zone. But, man, just I just please don't let it come down to this guy on the negative end. If it comes down to him and he ends up winning the game, that's a great story because of what happened on Monday. But just don't let it end because this guy just killed them with his kicks. That would just suck. Staying right here in Dallas, I don't know if you know this, but the Dallas Mavericks are a basketball team in the NBA. (laughs) You probably knew that, I would think. Um, They are a team that I have been a season ticket holder for the last... Well, it's been in my family for the last... How many years? I want to say 17, 18 years. And then about seven years ago, I took over the tickets from my father and 
I go to a lot of Mavericks games. I get 20, I have a half season ticket package, so I get 21 games a year. I probably go to 12 to 14 of them and then give away seven or sell them, resell them. Uh, last night, uh, they lost again, third loss in a row. They're now 24 and 22. Uh, they've lost three in a row. They've lost six of eight. And, you know, this team is, I, I, I'm very objective when it comes to the Mavericks. While I am a fan of them, I know that this team's not winning the NBA championship this year. Last year was an anomaly getting to the Western conference finals, uh, against golden state. It just, they, they peaked a little bit too early. I knew coming into this year after the offseason moves that weren't made and not re-signing Jalen Brunson, they were at best second round of the NBA playoffs. I think they're going to be one and done. I just don't think this team is nearly as good as last year's team, and they certainly aren't on the defensive end. The last three losses, they said they've lost three in a row. They've given up 136 points, 140 points, and 130 points. And if you want to go back to the other three losses in the six of eight, 124, 120, 113. I mean, they're just, they're not good. And they don't have anybody that's like literally hurt and coming back and he's their defensive stopper. They're just not a defensive built team right now. And while they have Luca and he's great to watch, he doesn't have any help. And this team is at best, at best second round of the NBA playoffs. But honestly, I think they're going to be out in the first round. You know, obviously we have to see where the matchups are, if they have home court advantage, if not, if they finish as a four seed or, you know, and have home court advantage or a five seed or worse and they're going to be on the road. I just I just don't think they're good. A lot of teams in the West are a lot better than them. And uh, unfortunately, not signing, re-signing Jalen Brunson is, is really hurting them. And they just, they haven't had a defensive guy, a defensive stopper in there. And that's killing them. And it's always killed them. And ever since they won the title in 2011, uh, last year was the first time that they had made it out of the first round since 2011. Pretty amazing to think of, but it's truth. So that's why I knew it was kind of an anomaly that they somehow got to the Western Conference Finals. Played well. It was exciting, but once they lost Brunson and didn't really do anything to shore up their interior defense, knew they were struggling heading into this season. Some other NFL news and notes from around the league. The Chargers fired their offense coordinator, Joe Lombardi, which, okay, great. You, you're doing, you're making some change, but man, Brandon Staley keeping his job for the Chargers and him even saying like, no, I didn't even think my job was in jeopardy. Okay, that's it's great confidence to have, but you should have thought it was in jeopardy. I mean, this is a guy that in the last game of the season where they couldn't move up or down in the standings, played his starters, and his number one, 1A wide receiver Mike Williams ended up hurting his back and missing the Jacksonville game. If he plays in that Jacksonville game, they win. Mike Williams is really good and really good for their offense, and I don't understand what he was doing playing him. He could have been fired just on that alone, but he's been there three years. They've made the playoffs once. They're 0-1 with a 27-point you know, loss of a lead in the one game that they've lost in the playoffs. Uh, the team is undisciplined. They have more three and outs than any team in the NFL. So I guess, okay, it makes sense to fire offensive coordinator. But my gosh, for Brandon Staley to be so secure in his job and thinking like, hey, like his thought process at the press conference yesterday was, hey, we're getting better. Last year we didn't make the playoffs. This year we did. I'm just like, oh, is that is that the expectations you've set for this franchise? Because this franchise is pretty much cursed. And the Chargers have been just a 
it just just things happen to the Chargers that don't happen to a lot of other teams. And I don't know. I mean, the, the, the players came out in support of Staley. Very rarely will you see players just take a shot and be like, I hope they fire our coach. I don't think he's any good. It sucks. No, I don't think that was going to happen. But I would think behind the scenes, I think the Charger players are very well aware of their coaches miss their their coach's transgressions and the things that he's done that they probably scratched their head at. How can you not? He's made some horrible, horrible decisions. But it's coming back. Looks like they're bringing him back for another year, and it looks like Sean Payton is possibly headed to the Denver Broncos. He seems to be interviewing with everybody. He visited with the Texans. He's already interviewed with them. There was a report out last night that the Broncos are close to hiring him as their next head coach. That would be a huge get for the Broncos depending on what they have to give up. Maybe Sean Payton can revive Russell Wilson's career because he was just ass all season long. He was terrible. And they have a good defense, so he has that to work off of. But you gotta, you have so much money invested into Russell Wilson, 45 to $50 million a year for the next three or four years, he counts against the cap. I mean, that's a ton. So you either got to get him help or you got to get him right. But I... I Something tells me if Sean Payton does take over for the Broncos and Russell Wilson isn't right in the first six, eight games next year and is playing the way he did this year, I don't think Sean Payton would hesitate to move off of him. I know, you, I know you've got this giant price tag on him, but Sean Payton's there to win games. And if it means getting somebody else in there to push Russell Wilson, he'll do it. And I don't know if Russell Wilson is ready for that. I, I don't even know what happened to Russell Wilson this year because while – Seattle seemed to want him out of Seattle and people were fed up with his act. He was still producing in Seattle this year. His numbers just sucked. And I think he threw 12 touchdown passes all season. Hey, it could have been the offense. It could have been the fact that Nathaniel Hackett had no idea what he was doing as a head coach. Very possible. Sean Payton is an offensive genius. So maybe he brings it back on track, but I don't think it's going to take very long. We're going to know in the first five, six games, whether Russell Wilson's year this year under Nathaniel Hackett was because of Hackett and a bad offense and a bad offensive philosophy because Sean Payton knows his offense. And if Wilson getting back on track in the first five or six games next year, then yeah, it's all worth it. But if he doesn't, Denver's hurting because they can't just release him. He counts so much money against the cap. And who's going to want to trade for him with that price tag of 45 to 50 million a year for the next, I believe three or four years. It's going to be tough, but they'll be one of the more interesting teams uh, to watch at the beginning of next season for sure. And finally, just wrapping up in college football, a couple notes here. We have the offensive coordinator carousel happening right now in college football. TCU lost their offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, to Clemson. He's going there and making $1.75 million, which is kind of unheard of uh, for an offensive coordinator. One, he's going to be one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid offensive coordinator in all of college football. So obviously TCU needed to replace him and they stole Kendall Bryles from Arkansas, who's been the Arkansas offensive coordinator for the last three years. This past year, they were ranked 15th nationally in total offense. I think that's a good hire for them. But now that Arkansas lost their offensive coordinator, they went out and stole Dan Enos from Maryland, who's worked with Talia Tagovailoa for the last few years at Maryland. So 
I think TCU is the one that people are looking at because obviously they were the national team that made the national championship this year. And it's like, what are they going to do next year? They lost their quarterback. They lost their top running back and they lost their wide receiver all to the NFL draft. So I would say it wouldn't be far fetched to think that TCU is not going 12 and 0 or excuse me. Um, yeah. 12 and 0 in the regular season next year. They're going to have some sort of a fall off, I would think. But this is a good hire to replace Garrett Riley. Uh, Kendall Bryles, very well-respected college football offensive mind. So good hire for them. And then, like I said, the moving pieces. Losing Garrett Riley to TCU obviously was hurt. But when you replace him with Kendall Bryles, for probably a lot less. I don't know what Kendall Bryles is making, but that's a good hire for them. So hats off to TCU for doing that. And now the musical chairs of offensive coordinator happens. TCU loses theirs. They take Arkansas's. Arkansas loses theirs. They take Maryland's. Now Maryland's got to go find a new offensive coordinator or promote from within. We'll see. But those are your notes for college football. I cannot wait. I know we got one more season of the 14 playoff, but I will just, I'm so geeked about 2024 and a 12 team playoff. There's going to be so much to talk about over the next uh, couple of years regarding this. Yes, we have one final year in 2023 of a 14-team playoff, and it'll still be fun to talk about and talk about the games and whatnot, but, man, just so excited uh, for 2024. Anyway, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Again, please rate, subscribe, and review in Apple Podcasts. Rate me five stars if you would be so kind. Uh, write a nice review if you'd like. I'd really appreciate it because it certainly helps the podcast, and obviously we keep this thing going. And I will be back yet again tomorrow with another daily roundup because, well, not a daily roundup. Sorry, that's my other one. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's my other podcast, Steve. Uh, no, another Sports Daily uh, coming tomorrow and then every Monday through Friday. So thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.